Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello and welcome. This is episode 46 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast and I'm your host, Ugo Che. A few days ago I visited Photokina, the world's biggest trade fair uh, in the world of photography. And I was leaving the floors of the, the fair on the last day. I passed by the Fujifilm booth and I noticed there was a presentation about to start. They had this stage where various photographers were presenting their work and their experience uh, shooting with Fujifilm cameras. On the stage was uh, Saraya Corteville, a portrait photographer from the UK. So I decided to stop for a few more minutes and uh, listen to that presentation, which she did in a very uh, entertaining and lively manner. On top of it all, she had a very nice British accent that I love. And her photos were just wonderful. She had some great travel portraits. So at the end of of her talk, I approached her and asked her, if she would like to be a guest on the podcast. And she graciously accepted. So we got in contact a few days later and we uh, scheduled our conversation. And this is the recording of that interview that I'm sure you will all appreciate. Before we start, I would just like to remind you that you can find our website at ttim.photo. And all the links and show notes for this episode are available at ttim.photo forward slash 46. And now enjoy my conversation with Soraya Corteville. So welcome uh, Soraya Corteville to the Traveling Image Makers podcast. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have you here today after, when was that, four or five days ago that we yes. met at Photokina for the first time. Yeah. And you very graciously accepted to, to be my guest. So how are you today? Are you back at I'm- home? I'm very well. Yeah, I arrived back a couple of days ago and it was a very good potokina for me. Thank you. Yeah. Great fun. And it was uh, it was great to, to see your presentation, to hear you talking and to discover your work. I was uh, just about to to leave the floor of the, the exhibition because I had been, been there for two days and I just uh, happened to pass by the Fujifilm booth and you were, it was a presentation to start and I decided to, well, maybe just... Uh, Wait a few more minutes and uh, see what this photographer has to to show and to say. And I'm I'm happy that I did because uh, oh, thank I, got, you. I got to know you and to discover your work. So maybe you can do a little bit of introduction about yourself. I would like especially to know. I was looking at your at your website and so on. It looks like you you started out as a studio portrait photographer and yes. you probably do much of. Uh, portrait photography but you transitioned or you added travel photography to your uh, uh, my repertoire, your repertoire you know. exactly. yeah that's the word i was looking for so <laughs> maybe tell a bit of the, the backstory how you transitioned to that what what do you do yeah sure um i was a portrait photographer in a studio for about uh five years i worked for somebody else um And then I decided it was time to kind of head out on my own. So I got my own studio in North London. Uh, But it was predominantly all inside portraits, artificial lights, 
um, as normal portrait studios are. I, I didn't really venture outside very much. I didn't do weddings. So I was really based nine, nine times out of ten inside. Um, and then I kind of had this opportunity to go traveling in Tanzania for four months. And I thought, oh, you know, it's a lot of rent if I'm going to carry on keeping the studio on for four months whilst I'm away. I managed to find somebody to sublet it from me, but then that fell through. So I ended up just closing the studio whilst I went away. Um, and since then, I've then my work's completely changed. I now do all location stuff. Um, and to be honest, it was a really good thing for me because it kind of changed my work in a way that I now prefer shooting. I was just I was just getting a bit kind of stuck in a rut with my studio portraiture. I was doing the same things and it was it was good fun. I love working with children. They they're great, but it it just got to the point where I was doing the same day in day out and I needed a bit of a change. So for me creatively, it was a really good move. So but Africa was that kind of instigation of getting me out of the studio. So it was a it was a good thing all round really. Right, great. And how do you approach your subjects when you're when you're traveling? I mean, in the, in the studio, it's, it's easy they they come to you. They're your they're your clients or their models. Uh, do, yeah. do, do you somehow um, adopt the, the way of working? Sorry, adopt the way you you have working with your subjects to to people you meet while you're traveling. How you approach them? Do you ask them? Can I take a portrait of you? How does it work? It's a bit of a mixture of everything, if I'm honest. So when I'm just shooting just for me, I will pretty much, you know, I'll kind of make eye contact with the subject. And then if they're kind of open to it, I will then say, is it okay to take a picture and then go ahead? But I'm still very, very quick. I don't take a lot of time to do it. And I, nine times out of 10, I will try and take it on the street, if you like. And it's very quick. And I'll then move on. The other side of it is when I do go out for the charities, I do have a translator with me. So I will then, if I've got a specific shot in mind or I've got a particular person that I want to take an image of, the translator will kind of do a little bit of legwork for me, if you like, so mm -hmm. that I can, you know, not so much get them to pose, but make them feel at ease with me. So I'll just tell them to kind of, you know, go about their normal day and, and not really bother them that I'm there and the translator will kind of get that across to them so then so they're a bit more comfortable in my in my presence but with those ones I will tend to spend a bit more time with them so I'll get a series of portraits rather than if I'm on the street I'll just take one or two and then move on if I'm with a person with a translator I could spend a good half an hour with them so there's a little bit of both there's something specific that you look for in a subject when you Ooh. when you choose them <laughs> Um, they, for me, when I'm working with the charity, they need to have some kind of a story. Um, so it may well be that they're the leader of a village. It may well be that they've got a story behind them. I think there was one when I was in Nepal this year and the lady was, I think, 95 and she'd outlived two big earthquakes. And that was quite a nice story that the charity kind of wanted me to follow up. So visually I will look for good faces and good character if I'm looking for a story it tends to be about them as well so again it's it's a it's a dual thing really two things you work with charities and can you tell us a bit more about uh, what what kind of work you you do for them and 
why, why do they need a photographer in the first place? Um, they t tend to approach me because, well, initially I approached them, if I'm honest, because I kind of thought I need to do something different with my with my work and my life. I needed a bit of a change. So I approached them in the first place and um, said, do you need a photographer? They were saying, yeah, we absolutely need a photographer. And they used me really to go around all of their projects to highlight the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. They then use my photography as a promotional tool to get either more funding, um, more uh, support from other charities. So it's really just they use my work for promo promotional so on social media every day. And they use it in kind of um, hard copy as well. So that like leaflets and things like that, that they can then give out to other uh, places so they can hopefully yeah. get more funding. Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, it's um, charities, but they still have to do to do some marketing to, to put themselves absolutely, out if they absolutely. want to, to get funding, they want to get support sure. and so on. Yeah, so just to maybe you can name a few of those uh, of those charities. So we'll give them a shout out and maybe <laughs> put a link in the show notes so people sure. can, can reach out if they want. So the two that I've worked for most recently, uh, when I was in Tanzania and Nepal, the beginning of this year, I've They were both with um, ICS, which is International Citizens Service. It's a bit of a mouthful. And last year was with Rally International. And again, the end of this year, I'm going out to Nepal again uh, to support the Gurkha Welfare Trust. Mm -hmm. oh, I see. Okay, well, uh, we'll put links so, so people can find out more. Wonderful. Uh, aside from from your work with charities, you also do you, you do workshop workshops. You lead yes. workshops in uh, in some great locations. Yeah. Can you uh, give us some details about those? What what do you do? Where do you go? What kind of workshops are there? Where what can people expect to? What kind of experience can people expect to get when they join one of those? Sure. Well, we, this, it's kind of in, in partnership with the Gurkha Welfare Trust where we're doing the um, photo talks and, and walks over in Nepal. So it's kind of the, the Gurkha Welfare Trust are paying for us to go over there and take other people with us so they can kind of witness what we do. And at, as a sideline, we're doing portrait training, uh, landscape training for, for other photographers and we're going at the best time of year for Nepal as well November is supposed to be the clearest time that we're going so yeah hopefully they should learn quite a lot we've got uh, experienced guides going trekking with us as well so I'm really excited about that so so the other people who are coming to the, the workshop yeah. somehow um, I mean doing some uh, work for the charity I mean work maybe is not the, the right term but helping in any yes. in any way yeah 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 yeah, yeah I've seen that that happen uh, a lot I had, uh, uh, an interview I did uh, on a previous episode with Darlene Hildebrandt who does a similar work in Nicaragua and uh, for for the people who are listening our next episode will involve uh, Kate Chevon Mulligan who does similar work with the Giving Lens so it looks like it's a uh, it's a kind of uh, workshop tour, trend, yeah. uh, that is uh, that is growing and, and I think yeah. it's great that that many people are going to uh, third world countries countries that need help uh, and they're not not just there to to take pictures and bring home yeah. photos but also to to give back something and uh, yeah Absolutely. appreciate appreciate that a lot 
Yeah. When it just kind of gets the message out there, it's all very easy for us to kind of sit at home and look at lovely images. But actually, when you realise what's going on in these countries, it's, yeah. it really does kind of highlight what we're doing. And where, where can people find more about those those tours? With the, again, we will put a link. But if you yeah. just want to name the the organization, it's it's called Photo Journeys. Photo Journeys, okay. Yeah. Uh, people can probably Google them. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and find more, or they will find a link uh, on the blog post here. Yeah. Um, switching to to a completely different subject. Um, I mean, this is the reason why you were speaking at the Fujifilm booth in the first place, because you recently switched your um, your choice of equipment from uh, full-frame DSLRs to Fujifilm cameras. And, well, yeah. this show is not much about gear, but still, uh, <laughs> it, I think it's it's important, it's relevant to, to understand yeah. the choices uh, that a travel photographer does with re respect to equipment, maybe because uh, switching to a mirrorless uh, system gives them some, some advantages. So uh, can you maybe explain a bit the the genesis of your choice and what, what are your impressions of the new system? Sure. No, the, the new system for me, I cannot, I haven't actually taken it traveling yet. Um, so the last times I've been abroad with my kit were with the big Nikon DSLR. I had the um, D4S and it was lovely, but just really, really heavy. And especially in Nepal, where we're going up to some really very remote villages and walking to these very remote villages, carrying that kit was really quite hard work. Um, so when Fuji approached me to with the mirrorless system, I kind of thought, well, why not? And the difference it's made in what I do and how I shoot, I can't. I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant when I take it abroad. For a start, the weight's going to be negligible in comparison. Mm -hmm. And um, the quality of the images are just lovely. And I'm really excited to go away with it. So I can't really tell you uh, about battery life and things like that because I think I'm going to maybe struggle with that. But everything else is good so far. In my, in my in in my normal working life, kind of weddings and portraits, it's it's been better than the Nikon, so I can't see it doing any less while I'm travelling. Yeah, uh, are you a more of a zoom uh, photographer, or do you like primes? Ooh, uh, well, what what are your favourite go-to lenses for portraits? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, they, I've got two the two pro zoom lenses from Fuji. So I've got kind of a wide one and, and a fairly long one, which I mainly use for my portraits. If I'm honest, I will always go to that long lens. I love it, but I, I do also have a 90mm um, prime, which for me, when I'm doing portraits, the bokeh is beautiful. Mm. Um, and somebody's also said to me, you must try the 56. So I'm going to give that a go. I'm going to see if they'll lend me one while I go away. But um, I, will, I will always use a bit of both. I'm not one or the other. I kind of deal with it. Generally, if I'm out doing street stuff, I'll use the Zoom because it's easier. Because mm -hmm. if you see something, it's fast. You can get in there nice and easy. And you can crop and frame it quite quickly. Whereas if I know I've got a bit more time and I can... Uh, you know, just take my time with the subject, then I may well opt to use more of the, the prime lenses. Okay. Um, do you have any trips planned for the coming months, either work-related or private uh, personal trips? Well, we're off to Nepal, as I say, in November. That's mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks. 
weeks with with photo journeys um and then i've got nothing planned for next year which is really unusual for me so far because normally i kind of know good four months in advance what i'm up to so at the moment it's all fairly exciting because i don't really know which and, is good <laughs> and if you if you could choose and money or time were not a an issue where where would you go where would you like oh. to go first or oh goodness yeah. me that's a question uh wow i do you know what anywhere i haven't been okay. <laughs> <laughs> fair I enough like, <laughs> <laughs> i like to um I, I just love going to places i've never been before and, and don't get me wrong if i like the place then i will tend to go back but I love just new adventures because everywhere is so different for me. And even if you're in a similar kind of continent or it's still each place I find really unique. So anywhere is good. I'm excited to travel a lot. Yeah. Do you do any landscape work? May, no, you know. I don't. I love the, I love the interaction I mm -hmm. get with the people. And I, do, I don't have the patience, if no, I'm honest, yeah. to be a landscape <laughs> photographer. They no, sit there for hours. <laughs> no inanimate objects. <laughs> exactly. No, I love, I love the human nature and I love the way they interact with you. And even if you cannot speak the language, there's always something that you can kind of communicate with each other. And I love that fact. I think it's great. What would be your, your suggestions, your, your tips for somebody who wants to start a career like yours, uh, do, do travel photography full time, either for NGOs or, or other types of organizations? How, how, do you, how do you get discovered? How do you put yourself out? Uh, who do you contact? Do you have any secrets to share maybe <laughs> i do think it's just about putting yourself out there and it's asking the right people mm -hmm. and you know wanting to do it at uh, these charities you know they do need photographers i fundraised an awful lot of money so that i could go out on my first trip with them and then when they saw my work i then got approached by other charities and they were then started to pay me to go so If you kind of really want to go that way, I'd say at first, maybe try volunteering and doing it um, for nothing and just see it as an experience, almost like we used to do when we went and assisted other photographers. You kind of did it for nothing for, you know, six months to a year just to kind of get your, your experience. And, and effectively, that's what I did. Um, and yeah. it kind of got me to some really good places. And once people start seeing your work, the word spreads quite quickly, which is really good. And just be nice and smiley and easy to work with because people, when they're in out in these kind of locations, just want easy people to work with. Yeah, I think that I was thinking the same. I mean, uh, yeah. if you had asked me, I, I don't know that word directly, but I can I can imagine that uh, an NGO or a charity, they don't have much money to, to start with yeah. and they would appreciate if somebody would volunteer, okay, I'm, I'm coming with you, I will do some work for free and then you can decide yeah. if you want to, if you like my work, you can pay me later, but my, exactly. first, uh, my first job for you will be... Yeah. For nothing. I mean, I paid for my own flights. I've got myself out there. They they paid for me to kind of live out there, so food and yeah. and somewhere to live. But I got myself out there, got all my flights, all my injections, made sure I was fit and healthy, and obviously took out all my equipment, got it all insured. So yeah, you kind of have to have that attitude as you know you're going to go and get something from this in order that at some point you're going to get some sort of payback it may well not be from that charity it will may well be from somebody else or somebody completely different but it's 
you know, it's just a way of getting some really good experience. Yeah, and as you said, the word spreads spread quickly. So exactly, exactly. That helps. Um, another question would be: uh, you, You're going back to Nepal, but if you would could choose a country you have already been to to go back tomorrow, where, where would you go? Oh, I shot Cambodia. Oh. I loved yeah, you've, it. You've been there, yeah. Yes, yeah, what, yeah. What, what, Went what a few great? years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think for me, the people just really lovely and friendly. As such a lovely nature about them, and also the landscape is is stunning. And I think when I went, it, I really learned that after every kind of hardship they've had over the recent years, and it is fairly recent, that they're still so such a positive nation. And I think for me, that was a real, real lovely thing to see. And yeah, just lovely locations in which to shoot portraits. So I'd be back in a shop. Great. Um, put Cambodia at the very, not the very top, maybe, but... Uh... Almost near the top of my oh, bucket good. list. <laughs> <laughs> have you never been? No, I've never been. I, mean, oh, I haven't amazing. actually no. not not seen much of uh, of Asia and only only a few countries. So, yeah. But as you said, I would I would go wherever I have not been to yet. So. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. You too. So, uh, I would like to ask you if you have. Um, Another photographer that you would like to, to suggest uh, that maybe is doing work that is similar to yours or maybe in a completely different field that wow. you admire or uh, you've discovered that you would like to, to share with uh, with our listeners? Um, I think from recent times where the person who I kind of uh, admired most when I was in uh, Fotokina was one of the other speakers that was on the um, Fuji stand was uh, Jonas Rask. Mm-hmm, that yeah. for me, he's a very great uh, street photographer. And it's not a kind of thing or genre that I've really ever been interested in before, but his work really stood out for me and, and, and inspired me to kind of put a nice wide angle lens on my camera and go out and shoot in the street. So I'm going to try that when I'm traveling next. Oh. <laughs> I listened to, to Jonas's presentation yeah. as well. And yeah, his, his work is great. He, he does a yeah. lot of black and white most, yeah. I think. Uh, do you do... Much black and white work, you or I used to do a lot color. more. I used to, used to do a lot more, but then when I travelled to Nepal, especially, and the the colours yeah. and and textures there, it seemed like a real travesty to then transfer these into black and white. So, my most recent travel stuff has been in colour, but that's not to say that I won't get. You know, depends where you're travelling. I try and kind of look at the image as it is, and if it should be black and white, then it goes to black and white but most of my recent stuff has been color because it's just been where i've been so what what jonas rusk said was that he he does a lot of black and white work and he shoots uh, since he started shooting fuji does uh, in camera black and white uh, jpeg with uh, acros film emulation and so on he finds it so great so do you do you shoot jpeg raw what's uh, what's your i i always shoot raw i have i haven't got around to uh moving to the jpeg Mm -hmm. on the fuji although everybody tells me how wonderful that is i still love editing from a raw file for Mm -hmm. me i get much more from it but it really is just a personal thing and it may well be that i'm just stuck in a (laughs) in my old habits i I don't want to move on but Uh, yeah same for me i mean it's uh (laughs) i've grown up using raw and uh it's hard for me to 
yeah. give up the, the flexibility and the freedom I get from Rosso. And I, and I still do think, even with the Fuji files, you get an awful lot more information out of those RAWs. Yeah. Do you uh, do a lot of post-processing while on the road or you bring everything home and then, and then work on thousands of photos after the tree off after a trip well i try not for a start i try not to take thousands because mm. <laughs> i don't want to spend too much time editing and i will i'm i'm fairly ruthless i'm pretty good at culling them down yeah. um and and as i said out in the field i will really not take that many um and if i'm if i'm back at say when I was in Nepal, we had a field base and we had fairly good internet connection. So I may well edit a few images just to kind of show people what I've been up to. But the main edit I will do when I get home. Okay. And uh, where do you publish your work? Where can people find more about you online? Well, if you search my name, Soraya Corteville, because it's such an unusual name, you will pretty much see there's a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a Twitter page. My website should come up fairly quickly as well. So, yeah, if you just Google Soraya Corteville and, and anything you want to see should come up. And yeah, and again, we'll, we'll put links in the, in the blog post. Uh, anything right. else uh, you would like to add before we wrap up this, uh, this very great interview? No, I'd just like to say thank you very much to you for inviting me to do it. And you're welcome. And uh, again, I encourage everyone to, to follow your work because uh, it's really great. So thanks for being with us today and thanks for your uh, inspiration and all the best for your next uh, adventures. Lovely. Thank you very much. Bye. Speak to you soon. So it was really great to be able to talk to Soraya. And her portraits are really impressive. You should check them out. You can find everything at our blog post at ttim.photo forward slash 46. Before closing, I would just like to announce that the guest for our next episode, episode 47, will be Bethany Lloyd, a walk leader and a mountain photographer who takes uh, great shots of the mountains of Europe, especially the Italian Dolomites. I wish you all a very pleasant week and see you next time at the Traveling Image Makers podcast.